I mean, everybody has to start somewhere, am I right? Welcome to All Talk, All USL, Talk USL, covering all the latest scores, news, and developments in the second highest division of the United States men's professional soccer system, the USL Championship. I'm your host, Vince Galvano, and ladies and gentlemen, we're getting this show on the road. I'm very excited to bring to you another podcast dedicated towards the second division of American soccer, which is the USL Championship, as we know. But more importantly, really having the chance to start a dialogue with everybody about soccer in this country, uh, the country I was born and raised in. And in today's episode, it's going to be half of it will be about more myself. I'm not big into talking about myself, but uh, I have to get used to it a little bit since now I'm doing this podcast. And then we'll also get into some of the latest news and developments coming from, yeah, you guessed it, USL itself. Because uh, we're not too long. We're not too far away either from the start of the season. Uh, in any case, uh, let's get into the show. Uh, I'd love to just introduce myself. So I'm 26 years old, uh, born and raised in New York, uh, family of five, grew up with two other brothers, all soccer crazy. Uh, father was Italian, so after the 2006 World Cup, soccer was the only thing that was going on uh, in our household. So my brothers and I, we both we all played it, and it's something that you really... As, as Danny Rojas says from the Ted Lasso show, football is life. You know, you're playing it, you're watching it, you're reading about it, you're, you're gaming on your video game consoles, FIFA, Pro Evolution Soccer. So all day, every day, just dreaming about soccer. Football is life. In any case, I, I decided to take, uh, play in high school, played club, travel the whole nine. And then I actually decided to play even some college soccer at the Division Three level. Uh, two years in upstate New York and then two years in New Jersey. Nothing crazy. No D1, no D2, but instead D3. So I can, I can just give you a rundown essentially of what was my career, even though it wasn't anything crazy. But I am at least one of the, let's say, few that made it through all four years of college soccer, which I know can be a challenge for, for a lot of people because a lot changes in your four years at college. So to continue and to remain uh, on a roster spot for a sport is, is difficult. Um, and it certainly was for me. It actually had to change schools because of it just so I can keep that going. And actually, the only reason I decided to even play college soccer in the first place was when I was taking my SATs. And I just remember thinking, Damn, I this this test sucks, and honestly, I think I just might have a better shot at getting into a school uh, based upon my my soccer skills because I was quite good, as it usually everyone is that decides to go play college soccer and gets recruited for it. Right, they're usually the high school stars that eventually go into a pool full of high school stars, and then they're just one of the bunch. Uh, but I was I was a decent decent player in high school. I, I attracted some attention from some schools nearby. I went on a couple of visits, got to understand a little bit the landscape of what could be a possibility in, in college sports. And I ended up at the University, State University of New York at, at Brockport, SUNY Brockport, playing in, this, in the SUNYACs uh, at the time. Uh, and this was back in 2015, 2014-15, uh, uh, my first season for them. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot, that's for sure. But more, more important, it was the first time at this university that I came into contact with 
a USL soccer player, and it came in my second year. Uh, so my first year, nothing really special. Getting acclimated at 18 years old, playing with 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds, 20-year-olds. My body wasn't fully developed yet. The game changed drastically, right? Speed, the physicality of it, the, the demand. Uh, and then you wrap it up into to going from high school to college, moving away from home. It's a lot of things going out, uh, but I didn't play that much. Uh, six appearances in my first year uh, and, and only 28 minutes played in total. Uh, so nothing, nothing crazy, but I did come on as a sub against Oswego in one game, which was quite, after having a string of, of solid practices, um, so anything's possible, you just kind of kind of focus on yourself, and maybe you get the opportunity, I was definitely not expecting it, uh, but 2016 rolls around, my second season there, and I actually had a coach at the time, uh, because two of the assistant coaches changed, uh, so the head coach remained, but two assistant coaches came in, and one of them uh, was called Sean Riley. And he uh, had a career at Division One, at Division Two level. Uh, but at the time, in 2016, the reason he was up there was he was actually playing as a member of the professional soccer team, the Rochester Rhinos. And at the time, in 2016, the 2016 USL season, I have it here in front of me. It was actually 29 teams. Uh, and... At this point, think back in 2016 USL, there was a lot of the uh, reserve teams for the MLS that were playing in, in, in both conferences. Now, obviously, we have MLS Next Pro, so the reserve teams play there. Uh, and I'm not sure, was it even Division Three at the time in terms of how it was looked? Yes, it was. So it was the sixth season of the USL, uh, 2016, and it was sanctioned Division Three. Uh, by the United States uh, Soccer Federation. And I actually got to watch my assistant coach play uh, against Montreal Impact Reserve Team, which was pretty cool. So he only played one season with them, uh, had eight appearances, played 289 minutes, and scored scored one goal. So, hey, kudos to Sean. Uh, and he was really the second, second assistant coach that year. Uh, and, but I learned a lot from him, uh, especially being on the, the reserve side of things within the college team. So anytime we did in, inter-squad scrimmages, he was usually our coach handling our tactics. But I, I, it was fun even having the chance to practice with someone who was playing at such a high level because you learned a lot. One thing in particular that I loved that he did was he would receive the ball and then he would point to where he would pass it and then he would just pass it in a different direction. Uh, but he really sold it to the point that he thought he was going to pass there. But he decided to to change directions, uh, so it was pretty cool, and that was really my first interaction with a coach uh, that was playing at a high level, really at the time. And he had some good advice as well. He said, "Listen, if you don't get picked for for a team and you you get called to the game and you're not playing, then you you have to be accountable and you have to run uh, for the time that you didn't play because everyone else had 90 minutes or an hour running, and you didn't. So if you're playing on a Saturday, you don't get any minutes. You better get up on a Sunday." And run around the track uh, for a couple miles, uh, three miles, I think he said, uh, at a decent pace, just so you can you can stay ahead of the curve with with everyone else, especially those that were playing. Did I take that advice? No, uh, I was quite lazy. Anyway, 2016 rolled around, um, sophomore year, and uh, instead of having six appearances, I had ten appearances, but I also managed to get one start, which was good. In total minutes that season, three hundred and ten. But uh, we weren't that good compared to the 2015 season. A lot of seniors were gone. 
the the change of staff. So it was also time for change. I miss being closer to home. I was five and a half hours away. And I changed it to, to William Patterson University. And over there, uh, that was interesting. Going from the SUNYACs, uh, traveling all, all across uh, New York, playing against some solid teams, then going to New Jersey was a whole whole different ball game, a uh, whole different mix of cultures. Playing with a lot of Hispanics, a lot of talented uh, Peruvians, uh, players from the Dominican Republic, which also make up a good, you know, these, these nations also make a good, good chunk of what's being played at, even the high levels of the top three divisions in professional soccer now. So playing with some really, really solid players there. In 2017, uh, it was pretty solid. I mean, it, I had eight appearances and two starts, but I also strained my hamstring, uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, so actually th- only 300 minutes, uh, 307 minutes uh, in my third season. But uh, what was quite cool about playing at William Patterson is that, again, we had a player that was an alumni of the school. And at times he'd come and train with us. And actually in a preseason, we'd play against the alumni. So this guy, when I was playing, this is what, 2017 at the time. Uh, his name was Matt Nigro, um, and he was playing for FC Motown, but he also had played third division in Iceland, believe it or not. So having the chance to train with him and actually having the chance to play against some talented alumni uh, for a preseason match, because in Division Three soccer, at least in the two divisions I played, you're only allowed a certain amount of officially preseason matches, right? And you're allowed three, I believe. and one of them was actually against the alumni of, of that school. And we got creamed 4-1. Uh, there were some <laughs> really good players. And Matt Nigro is definitely one of them. Funnily enough, so he would go on to play for FC Motown in the NPSL, which is, as we know, or maybe if you don't, the unofficial fourth division of United States soccer. And in 2018, he won the golden ball for the league, which is quite quite astonishing, especially when you consider that Across the MPSL, there's in 2018 at the time was there was 98 teams scattered throughout the United States in total. So to have the golden ball player in the season prior and play against them, you really got to see essentially who is what's 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 the difference between a professional player versus maybe a player that plays semi-professional. I mean, foundation, everything, so quick on the ball. Uh, both feet, switching the play field, great shape. I don't think there was an ounce of fat on his body. Uh, credit to him. Um, not sure where he is now, but it was just an alumni coming back to play with us uh, and play against. But again, it's just uh, it's fun to rub shoulders with some really solid soccer players throughout my time, and, and including of which was uh, a player I played against twice um, in my senior season, I believe, which was Joe Fala, uh, who. If you don't know, um, played for, for Ramapo, a small school, obviously in the NJAX in the New Jersey division that I was playing in. But he played, he played in 75 games as a college, college player from the years 2016, 2019. And that's a lot of games to play if you're a college player. Uh, he scored 47 goals and provided 17 assists in his Division three college soccer career. How was he so special? I mean, he was two meters tall, uh, six foot, seven inches. Uh, as a forward position and mobile move very difficult player to play against and he got signed in 2020 by the new york red bulls reserve team in in you know he 
in a club con- combine, but at the time he was actually playing as a defender, so he moved from forward to defender when he went to the professional level. And he made his professional debut uh, not shortly after in 2020, uh, starting in a one nothing game, one nothing loss against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, right? So that was, that was astonishing. And he, again, was playing in the USL, even if it was just for a short stint, because I believe they released him in, in November later that year, so only a couple of months. But at the time, uh, USL also had uh, New York Red Bulls reserve team that year in 2020. So that's uh, just two more, two more players to cover that I played against and also wrap around, again, conclude in my college career. And then another one I played with was Zach Perez, um, who I got the chance to play with a, a bunch because he was my teammate, my actual teammate. Really one of the best left backs I've ever played with. Um, I called him the gazelle. I tore up the left flank. Uh, it was so reliable. I, there was times where I just was kind of stuck out in the field and I didn't know what to do with it or, you know, coaches yelling, a lot of pressure. I'm like, I just got to give it to, to this guy because he'll somehow handle this. And in, in 2019, when we finished, we graduated the same year. Uh, in 2019, he actually signed for the Richmond Kickers of USL League One, uh, which, was, which was pretty cool. He made 59 appearances in total for... For, for William Patterson University, the, the one I was playing at. And then I think now he's back at, to playing in the MPSL at FC Motown. I don't know. I don't think he, he played that much for Richmond Kickers. I'll have to reach out and ask him. But was definitely a player that you could say, yeah, this guy could, could go pro. Uh, so, so kudos to him for even getting that recognition. Uh, I hope he's well, obviously. And uh, perhaps I'll reach out to him soon. Maybe even potential future guest on this podcast. So that's, that was, that was a couple. The last one I have was someone I actually played against in high school when I was playing for a town in Rockland County, New York, which is close to the Hudson river. I played against a kid called Johnny Dennis, uh, from Honduras as well as the United States. Tremendous player, not too tall either, but foundations, everything I played against him in my, my senior year. It was, and he had, I think 31 goals that year in high school play, which is, it's like an average of two goals a game. Cause you don't play that many, many games in high school season starts in September. And then it's pretty much over at the end of October, unless you go on November to play in the playoffs. Uh, but we played against him and I was responsible for man marking him throughout the game. And we won the game three, one, and it was one of the only times he actually didn't score a goal um, that season. In any case, he would go on to play for Columbia University. Uh, he would then go on to play for the New York Red Bulls U23, uh, some stint with the Cosmos, and uh, most recently, he was playing for New York City FC, uh, the reserve team, and MLS Next Pro. In the 2022 season, in 18 games played, 15 games started, he, he got 14 goals, tied fourth in the league. That's pretty cool. So I've played with some some really some really talented players. And it's always interesting at that level because you think, okay, me, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the best college player here. That's for sure. I, in college, you have other priorities, right? You're a student athlete, so the student comes first. Uh, but for some of these players that I've played with, you can say, uh, yeah, if these guys wanted to go, they can definitely take it to the next level. So some of them have, and that's just a, a select few. And, and the most prominent season that I had for for my college was was my senior year where I played 14 games started in 11 uh, with 
with over 650 minutes played. Uh, and that was that was pretty cool. Um, I got injured early on in the season, and uh, for actually from spring season, I, f- I forget, but I did have it one injury. Um, yeah, from preseason going into the season. Uh, so I mean, 2017, 2018. Unfortunately, I was I was littered with with an injury each season. And playing Division three soccer, once you're injured, uh, good luck trying to get back. You know, we don't have a nine month season. You have three months. Uh, you have August, September. Um, October and and some of no some of November. So it's if it's it's you really have to stay in shape. You really have to take care of your body, and and hope that nothing goes wrong. Because if something goes wrong, it'd be very difficult to get back into it. And hamstring was not fun. Straining hamstring was not fun. That's for sure. But in part, I think it was also due to my own laziness. Uh, wasn't the fastest player. Uh, I could have hit the gym more. I was a college kid. There was other things I was doing. Soccer wasn't the most important thing in my life. It was something that kept structure. Uh, and I was more interested in doing some other stuff. Uh, one of which was sports broadcasting, which is why I'm so happy to be starting this podcast. So I can talk to every one of you and, and share my love of the game. And talking about none other than the USL championship. But I rubbed, I rubbed some shoulders with some, some pretty cool players. Anyway, enough about me. Uh, I do want to take the rest of this episode. It's a short episode because testing things out here. It's the first episode. Let's get this show on the road. I mean, you have to start somewhere, as I said in the beginning of the show. Uh, and the start date, it's around the corner. We're starting now with, with U- Talk USL. But we have some big news that needs to be covered prior to going into the season. Now, what can you expect from this show? Well, I said it already. Latest scores, news developments. Consistency is key. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm going to give give you guys weekly episodes that you can digest um, every Monday. Why every Monday? Because it's just a good day for me. I work a full-time job. I live overseas. I'm in Europe right now, but um, I really want to follow this season and I want to give my thoughts and I want to go on a journey with all of you listeners out there. Uh, I don't have a favorite USL team. If I had to choose, it's the Rochester Rhinos, but they're no longer really in the mix. I want to see what this season has in store for, for the United States, uh, for us watching and enjoying all of these games. The, the World Cup is around the corner. We have the World Cup champion playing in Major League Soccer, Lionel Messi. The eyes are going to be on us, and the eyes are already starting to be on more and more, the USL Championship. So let's take a look. I mean, the biggest news that came out, I'm um, recording this February 28th, Wednesday, but expect that Monday will be the new episodes. Um, actually, prior to getting into the news, one more thing. So what we'll do in, in the future episodes, just so that you're aware, uh, I'll, choose a, I'll choose a game over the weekend from the USL each week, and we'll have a nice match day spotlight uh, really in-depth analysis of of kind of one game closely watched over the match day weekend. Probably will be a, a Friday game because it'll be easier for me to see over here in Europe. So once that's done, obviously I'll provide biggest news from the USL, right? Uh, and we'll cover also other scores that are going on in the league. But at least we'll always have a nice recap after each uh, match days uh, over the weekends, and we can start on Monday fresh 
off the week with some thoughts on what had just transpired. And speaking of what had just transpired, some big news. Here we go. Let's get into it. Uh, this is from the official USL newsletter called The Rondo. Um, this, the recent uh, version of this was published by Nicholas Murray. On Tuesday, i.e. yesterday, the 27th of February, the USL announced a multi-year renewal of its agreement with the worldwide leader in sports and then set out on a national broadcast schedule. It's going to be bringing more eyes to the USL Championship as well as the USL League One in ways that have never been done before. Ready for prime time. He said, worldwide leader in sports. What, what is this? It's two networks here. Uh, it's going to be ESPN and then CBS Sports. Uh, so it has already just decided to uh, extend what has been the case already with uh, ESPN, which is pretty cool. So that's uh, coming back into the mix. Even it's been in the mix, but it's stay, staying here. So ESPN will actually air more than 400 games from the USL Championship and League One combined on uh, some of ESPN's linear channels, and then ESPN Plus. I imagine a lot of this will be ESPN Plus. But uh, among some of the nationally televised contests is uh, the rematch of the 2023 USL Championship Final, which was from, obviously, Phoenix Rising and and the Charleston Battery, and that will be on Saturday, June 22nd on ESPN2. But it just doesn't stop there. Um, We have ESPN, but we also have CBS Sports, um, and this is, is is a bit more interesting. So it will actually combine here for a record thirty five nationally televised matches, which was nearly four times the total in two thousand twenty three. And this includes a match on on big CBS, which is probably you know CBS major network. Um, so that'll be the first over-the-air network television broadcast in USL history, and that's going to take place on April 6th, and that'll be between Louisville uh, and Indy 11, and that'll be 4 p.m. Eastern time. In addition, they mentioned some other uh, highlights here that will be featured on, on some of the, the major networks. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Phoenix and Charleston on ESPN2. Uh, they'll have a Western Conference clash between Colorado Springs Switchbacks and Phoenix Rising. Uh, on August 3rd, CBS and Paramount Plus. And then some, some, some USL League One matches, uh, which actually includes, yeah, Richmond Kickers uh, and, and Forward Madison FC on July 3rd. And then also uh, Spokane Velocity FC uh, against Union Omaha September 4th. But we're not covering USL League One. Mainly on this show, we'll be doing USL Championship. And then 2024, the final will be on CBS and Paramount Plus. And then the 2024 USL League One final will be on the CBS Sports Network. So altogether, when combined with 30-plus local broadcast deals, the U.S. now is more widely available to soccer fans in the United States than ever before. And some of the marquee matchups that they mentioned um, go out to Phoenix Rising. So, so lucky them, right? You win, you win the USL championship. And next year, you have some big, big networks coming on, extending deals, some new networks coming into the fold. Since you're the champion, you're definitely going to be featured. That's for sure. So more about this CBS Sports deal. This from uh, USLsoccer.com staff uh, back on November 7th in 2023. 
So essentially what we can expect here is approximately 100 matches coming from CBS Sports. Uh, matches on the CBS television network will also simulcast live on Paramount+, Plus, which is why they mentioned both of them, right? And so CBS Sports will also televise more than 20 USL matches on CBS Sports Network annually, and then 75 USL matches each season on CBS Sports Golazo Network, which is the 24-7 soccer streaming network available across multiple platforms, including, uh, you guessed it, Paramount+. Plus. Uh, USL CEO Alec uh, Papadakis had this to say about that deal. He said, CBS Sports has become a destination for soccer fans in America, and we are thrilled to bring to their platforms the unique soccer experience that only the USL provides. Uh, this partner, he would go on to say, this partnership is a clear indication of the USL's growth and impact on domestic soccer, providing us with more national TV exposure and platforms to tell stories about our players, clubs, and fans than ever before. So we're entering a new, exciting phase both on and off the field, and we look forward to working with CBS Sports over the next four years to take our leagues and our games to new heights. And that was the CEO there. And yeah, I mean, CBS Sports, Golaza Network is quite big. As we know, Champions League is also on, on CBS Sports. It's on the up and up. Uh, and we know this for those that have followed the league. Each year, it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. But with the World Cup around the corner, right? Messi playing in, in, in the MLS now. Uh, soccer just consistently growing at a steady pace in the country of the United States. Uh, more eyes, more years will be on the USL championship. I want to conclude here just talking a little bit about the 2024 USL championship season. So this will be the 14th season um, and the seventh season under the Division II sanctioning uh, by the United States Soccer Federation. 24 teams, just as last year, but there are a couple of changes. Um, so what are the changes? Well, Rio Grande Valley FC Toros and San Diego Loyal Soccer Clubs, they're out of here. Uh, they're departing from the league. And we have some expansion clubs that will substitute in for them, one of which is North Carolina FC, which is returning to the USL Championship from USL League One. Um, so they have uh, essentially decided to come back in the league, which I, I see. Yeah, here we go. This is from, again, uh, USL championship.com uh, the newsletter states that North Carolina FC returns to the championship after exercising its option to move up from USL League One where the club played three seasons and obviously the most recent one with the 2023 title winning campaign so with North Carolina coming back into the mix um, they'll play against Charleston Battery and that'll be a nice rekindling of that rivalry and that game is, is, is scheduled for, you guessed it, opening weekend. So we'll have a nice match in Carolina between Charleston and, and North Carolina FC. So in addition to North Carolina, the other team coming in is Rhode Island FC. Uh, so they'll embark on its inaugural season as a club. So very interesting to see how they will uh, fare in the USL Championship. On March 16th, Rhode Island FC fans will get to experience the club's historic debut as New Mexico United comes to their stadium in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Uh, and that's coming soon. So, so already in the first month 
of the league, uh, North Carolina and Rhode Island will have some huge games. Obviously, Rhode Island hosting, you know, their fans for for what will definitely be a special occasion. And then North Carolina, difficult starts, you know, perhaps a rude awakening or um, what's that called? A wake up, a wake up tester, <laughs> wake up alarm, right? Uh, when they come into a league and they have to play against another than the rivals, but also finalists, Charlton Battery who actually won the 2023 Eastern Conference crown uh, last year. So that's North Carolina and Rhode Island. So those are obviously two East Coast teams coming into the mix. So what does that mean for conference realignment? Well, Memphis and FC Tulsa will now join the Western Conference. So that's how it'll be set up for that. I'm interested right now to check out essentially Rhode Island Okay, so their stadium in Smithfield hosts about 5,000, well, actually Wikipedia has it quite exact, 5,252 attendees. So that March 16th game, I can imagine that uh, it wouldn't be too difficult to get 5,000 of their fans into that stadium. Just a couple of other notes uh, from the managerial side of things. So we have 10 teams that had changed their coaches um, over the offseason. Um, that's Detroit, Hartford, Orange County, Tampa Bay, Miami, Indy 11, Switchbacks, Colorado, Phoenix Rising, um, and FC Tulsa and Las Vegas Lights. Uh, and one of which uh, I grew up watching quite, quite a bit. Um, so Miami FC's new coach, uh, Antonio Nocerino, uh, was a player that uh, I actually enjoyed watching when he was playing for AC Milan in the years of 2011-2016. So when Milan won the, the Serie A uh, back in 2011, he was part of that team. And then over the next five years, he would go to play 74 games for Milan uh, with a couple of loan, loan spells at you know, other Italian teams as well as West Ham and England. So very interested to see, being Italian, to watch Nocerino back into the fold. Um, we know that he also played in the MLS for Orlando City MC um, back in 2016, 2017. 17 that's Orlando City SC not FC my mistake there so he'll be coaching Miami I'm very keen to see how he performs as the season gets underway so Miami FC and this is when it was funny because when I first heard of Miami FC was when the Italian coach um, or former player we should say Alessandro Nesta who also played for AC Milan albeit much more than Antonio Nocerino did I remember hearing that he was coaching uh, Miami FC when it first became a club back in 2016, 2017, back when it was playing in uh, the NASL, right, the North American Soccer League. So it's their first time coming back to to an Italian coach. In those two, it was two seasons he coached. Yeah, they actually finished first in 2017 in the spring and fall session for for the North American Soccer League. So very curious to see how Miami performs with another Italian coach, another former AC Milan player coming to the mix in Antonio Nocerino. Uh, I can keep talking about this league. I really could. Uh, but I think it's time. Let's just, let's just wait and see what happens uh, as March 9th rolls around. Maybe I'll record and go more into depth uh, on another season preview. On some of, I, can, I can filter out some more interesting story. Maybe we can talk a little bit about some interesting signings. But I think uh, let's just wait also until, until that first ball is kicked come March 9th. That USL beautiful championship select ball is kicked off. And then 
that's when a lot more conversations can take the fold because we'll start seeing how this league develops over the course of what will certainly be, without a doubt, an eventful 2024 USL Championship campaign. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna close it there now. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this podcast is gonna be everywhere where podcasts are available. You can follow me and talk USL on all social platforms: Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, we're going live, people. Okay, we're going across the United States. And not just any part of the United States. I'm talking about something in particular. Football. Soccer. United Soccer League Championship. So thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, We'll see each other soon. We'll hear from each other soon. If you liked the episode, make sure to share with some friends, um, some family, some other fellow USL fans. And uh, I don't have a team right now, so we'll see if over the course of the season... If I decide to uh, pledge my loyalty somewhere, it might take some convincing from some of you fans uh, out there listening. So this has been All Talk, All USL, Talk USL, covering latest scores, news, and developments in the USL Championship. Bye for now.